Are you ready for something more, better, or different? Have you been looking for more success in your life? Here is your opportunity. Dr. Young's show, Transformation for Success, will help you discover a future for change with possibility thinking, new vision, and creative solutions to impact a more fulfilling lifestyle. Dr. Barbara is an accomplished leader and change guru who is passionate about helping others to gain the triumphs and successes that lie ahead. She brings you up close and personal with interviews from successful experts, corporate leaders, sports figures, entertainment personalities, coaches, thought leaders, and authors who dared to dream, take risks, and gain success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, hello out there and welcome to all of my international, national, and local listeners. And I want to welcome any of my new listeners who are out there. We have an amazing show for you today. You're going to hear the transformational story of my guest, Mr. Bill Flynn. So I want you to stay tuned as you're going to hear his extraordinary journey and how he became a multi-certified growth coach, author, and international speaker. Now, we're broadcasting live, and you can listen to us on the Empowerment, Business, and Influencers channels. We're also syndicated on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And now, you can even access us on your home devices. If you'd like to call in the show today to ask any questions of my guest, Mr. Flynn, you can call one 888 9141. Again, that's 1 346 9141. Now to my guest today, Mr. Bill Flynn. Hello, Bill Flynn, and welcome to the Transformation for Success show. We're so happy to have you on the show today. How are you doing? Hello, Dr. Young. Hi. I'm doing great. Doing all- Glad to be on. I appreciate the chance. Well, we are happy to have you. I mean, it isn't every day that we have a multi-certified growth coach, author, international speaker. So, Bill, share a little bit about your your transformational story, a little bit. Love to hear it. Sure. Um, so, I think that I, I probably have two transformational stories, but we'll stick to the one that's, I think, mostly close, most closely tied to the topic at hand. And that sort of got me to where I am today, which, you know, I think, uh, I, I've now uh, understand emotionally as well as intelligently um, what a calling is. And uh, okay. so that's definitely what I'm doing with my life today as a, as a coach and helping teams figure out how to grow their businesses in a healthy and thriving way. Um, but that all started on January 2nd, 2009, which was probably the worst and the best day of my professional life. Uh, that was the day that I took over as a general manager of a recently acquired company, and uh, it was an email hosting company. At that time, Gmail wasn't really a thing yet. I think it was still in the, in the, the works of, uh, of Google at the time, uh, down in the basement, if you will. And uh, we didn't deliver email to anyone that day, nor did we do it the next day, nor halfway through the third day. Uh, and... As I'm sure you are a user of email, it, email is supposed to be like air. It's just supposed to be there. So we lost a thousand customers in a week, about, and then I had to go around with the president of the company that bought us, which is about a hundred million dollar IT services company, and we had to go around trying to save partners and customers. And my people were getting yelled at from all people, you know, for for weeks on end um, from all of the things that we had uh, done to them. Uh, so I had to figure out how to do this thing. And, and uh, what I did was I, uh, luckily, I had a, a couple of really good CEOs that I worked for previously. And I read a ton of books. And I, I basically just sort of cobbled together this little system. And it worked. Uh, and if you look at my LinkedIn page, you can see all the wonderful stats on on that. If You know, we doubled the revenue in about two years. And we um, we got the customer satisfaction up to about 92 93%. Uh, from about 50-some-odd percent. Um, none of my employees left. It was just wonderful things that happened. But the best part, and I think that's really where the transformation comes in, is when my last day there, you know, this was, uh, I've been a startup guy for many, many years. I did 10 startups over 25 years. This was between startup five and six. And so I was off to, to do startup number six. And two of the guys that I worked with that were on the team 
that helped me to sort of turn this thing around, uh, said to me, I want you to know what you made us do. Uh, we hated it. It was really, really hard. But we're so glad that you made us do it. And what I did, I basically, I helped them to figure out how to figure things out on their own. I sort of taught them to fish, if you will. And, you know, I stuck that in the back of my brain. I actually did four more startups, but that, that little seed was planted and I wanted, I wanted that again. I wanted to hear that again. You know, I'm so glad that what you did, what you helped us to do on our own, not for us, really changed our lives. So that's sort of my transformational story as to how I became a coach today. And that was 11 years ago. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, interestingly enough, so what were some of the triggers um, that began to spark your interest in not only success, but why do businesses fail? Because I know you've done a lot of work, and uh, Bill Flynn, you've had more than 30 years of experience with working and advising hundreds of companies, including startups, um, where you have a long track record of success, and I know that. So if anybody can tell us, you are the one, what are some of the, the, the triggers that got you thinking about why do businesses fail and how can I help them? Sure. Well, I certainly don't have all the answers, but I, you're right. I have been, I, I've always been a curious person um, and I, I applied that to this and, and I would ask sort of, you know, why did that come to be and how come these people are better than those people and why are they more successful and uh, et cetera. And I applied that to business and, and I found that you know, um, just if you look at the data, uh, you have about a 50% chance. If you started a company in 1995, according to the Bureau of, of Labor Statistics, you, have a, you had a 50% chance of lasting five years. You had a 25% chance of lasting 15 years. So the longer you were in business, the less likely it was that you were to stay in business, which wow. is not intuitive. You think if the longer they'd be in, the more yeah, likely they the would more stay in business. Yeah, the more successful you'll be. Yes. Exactly. And that's just not true. Um, at least that's the way the stats work out. And here's the thing. There's a, certainly a difference between death and survival, death and living. But, but living doesn't mean that you're healthy. Uh, you right. can certainly be alive and be unhealthy. And right. so even if you did survive, say you're the 25%, many of those are struggling. And so I, I, I sort of looked into that. Why is that happening? Why, why are there a few that really thrive over long periods of time? And what do they do? And I found it at least for me, the pattern I saw was that the, the, the companies that endure and thrive for generations or even centuries do the same few things right. And, uh, and they're not that many, and, they're, and, and they're, they're really focused around three areas. One is that performance is a team sport. Um, most people who work at an organization, regardless of the size, are at least one team. This, the, the data from ADP says about 80, a little more than 80% of people in their survey, about almost 20,000 people, was that 83% of the survey takers said they were on at least one team. And about 70% of those people were on more than one team. And many of those teams were not represented in the org chart, which means that at any point in time, you can have people who are leading teams that you don't even know are leading teams. And so you really have to focus on how to pick um, and, and grow and, and teach the skill of learning how to lead a team effectively. So that's one thing. Uh, the second mm-hmm. thing is that your business is, is basically a system. If you want your business to scale in a healthy and thriving way, you have to think of systems and processes. Yep. And, and the two key systems involved in that are strategy and execution. And those two are really one thing that are just two sides of the same coin. The one thing, what you do when you execute is you're executing on a strategy. A strategy has to be something that allows you to be unique in a marketplace. It's usually a a differentiating set of interdependent variables that work together that allow you to create um, the profitable, uh, to allow you to have the profitable creation of new customers. Uh, And then how you do that is you set your strategy and then you execute it and you find where the holes are and then you um, fix the strategy a little bit and you just keep going. That is a never-ending game. That is a circle that just keeps going and going and going. And if you just focus on that, um, you have a much better chance of being one of those that thrive. And then the last thing, if you want to grow, cash should be your primary financial growth metric. And that'll tie probably a little bit on the COVID side here when we chat about that, I'm sure. Yes, we will. If you want to grow, growth, growth sucks cash, right? And cash is an antecedent to growth. You have to spend in front of growth. 
So what I teach a lot of my clients is, or all my clients, is that let's figure out how we want to grow. What is, what is it going to look like in two, three years? And how much will that cost? At least an estimate. Now let's build a plan that gets that money for us so then we can spend wisely um, and focus less on revenue and much more on cash. So those are the sort of the, the triggers, if you will, um, that I've seen or solutions to those triggers. Well, now, one of the things, I mean, they are, I mean, they really do sound absolutely what people should be thinking about how they thrive and what are some of the things they do. And I like the fact that performance is a team sport and all of these things that we talked about and learning how to, how to lead a team effectively. One of the things that uh, I'm challenged by, and I'm, I'm going to segue into it, Bill, because we need to talk about it, because we're now going through a pandemic with a lot of businesses, they're out of business or a lot of, they are not thriving. Have you talked to some of the businesses that, that are not thriving to take a look at uh, where are you going and how are you going to grow in light of what's happening today? What must we do? What can we do? Yeah, so um, on my website, Barbara, I actually, so I and about a dozen or so of my coaching peers around the world said, hey, you know, we're in the helping profession. And we said, look, this, this is, a, this is um, it's not unprecedented, but it certainly is a completely unusual time, and it's certainly unprecedented in our lifetime. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, as, as humans, as you know, we have very short memories, and so you got to sort of remind people of, of what to do. So we put together a, a, a framework and a checklist of things that you could do. So that's on my website, and we can talk about my website later. Um, but to touch on a few of those things is so the, the, what we did is the first few things we said was, um, in this situation especially, you need to take care of yourself, your family, your team, and your customers. You need to keep them safe. That's the first thing you need to do. Focus on that. Make sure that you're creating the environment uh, that, that allows them to feel like they're safe. Because people okay, so, are... So I want to just repeat that uh, in terms of this framework, and you're giving us a few of the tips. Take care first of yourself, your family, your team, and your customers. Did I get that right? Yeah, really, really, I would say stakeholders, right? And, and that could be mm-hmm. suppliers. Okay. Anyone that's sort of that first circle around you, those mm-hmm. people, you need to figure out how do we make sure that we, we at least keep them safe and to, best, to the best of our ability. Um, so that's one thing you got to do. Uh, then the next thing you have to do, and this, we certainly did this back in March, <clears throat> it's a little late now to be doing this, but it certainly doesn't hurt to keep it on top of your mind, is cash is extremely important. Uh, we have no idea how long this is going to last. We've got uh, a very unusual situation where the government basically gave us money through the PPP stuff um, and other loans, EIDL, et cetera. So apply for all of those. Uh, try to get your, 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 as much money you can, get it into the business so you at least have it um, so you can hopefully last. The next thing is, of course, reduce your expenses, right? Where, where, where are we spending that it's unnecessary right now or you know, and these might have to be some really difficult decisions, but you've got to figure out how to increase the amount of money you have in the bank and then and slow your burn as much as you possibly can. So for me, what I did is I actually lost 92% of my income on March, whatever, right? In the middle of March, uh-huh. the end of March. Uh-huh. Um, a number of my clients just said, we're out. We just can't, you know, for all sorts of reasons. So, you know, I applied for my PP loan. I got, you know, 20 grand or something for myself. Uh, and I reduced my expenses 70%. And, you know, I had to make some really difficult decisions on some things that, that were cost me money. And for three months, I actually didn't bill $1 to any of my clients. And prior to that, my business had been doubling every year. It was going to double again this year um, to a very nice, you know, a very healthy business for one person. Uh, so that's, that's sort of the two main things that I always say. And then the next is, okay, now you've got to go look at your business. And one of the exercises I do with my clients, which I think covers a lot of the steps, is, all right, let's just assume you're starting this business today, but you have all this knowledge, you have some cash in the bank. Now, with what we know and what's going on, how would we actually start a business? What would we do? How would we act differently? What would we do um, the same? What would we stop doing? What would we do that's new? Because we're learning this whole virtual world. Um, And that's an exercise that I had them run through just to just to get their head out of, you know, um, the fact that I wanted to change their mindset on this isn't something 
that we should be sitting out and waiting for, right? We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it's, it's affecting everyone in the world. Um, you should just assume that, that uh, things are going to change. So let's get out of the mindset of we're just going to incrementalize and maybe do a little do more of what we're doing. Let's just start from scratch and see what we come up with. Uh, and then and we work through those things. And so that helped with a number of my clients um, to just sort of work through those things. So those are the three so, things. There are, there are 11 things I think on my checklist, but those are sort of the two, three top things. So for people who are, are in wanting to start a business, and uh, one of the things um, that we shared on a series I just recently had after the pandemic, What's Next, was about opportunities. Many, many millionaires were birthed out of disaster. Out of disaster can come opportunities. And so I want to... Uh, share, have you share, Bill, a little bit about the new mindset and how do you start a business now? What sort of business? How do people begin to even inventory? Where do I start a business and how do I do that? Where do I do my research? Um, those are some of the things I think people are looking for. I mean, because we hear all of this, um, I have, and people say, There are plenty of business opportunities. If you look around you, there are many opportunities to start a business. Uh, We heard the old adage, find a need and fill it. So when we come back, we're going to take a few uh, minutes break. I'd like you, with all of your years of experience, if you can share a little bit about what are you telling people when to start a business and what is the mindset that they need to have. Agreed? Are you okay Okay. with that? Sounds good. Okay. Well, like I said, I got the expert on today, Mr. Bill Flynn. So, listeners, I want you to stay tuned. We're going to take a brief commercial break, and we'll be back with Mr. Bill Flynn, who is the owner of Catalyst Growth Company. So, stay tuned. This is Dr. B. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you looking to watch some great video content with entertaining stories and exciting dialogue with some of the world's leading guests? Well, tune in. Transformation Success TV Network each week. This network is designed to give you high-definition quality programming on eight different channels for your enjoyment that will help you get excited and inspired, whether it's on the professional development, relationship inspiration, health and financial wellness, sports and entertainment, and music to inspire. This state-of-the-art programming will motivate and educate you to be better. So whether you want to talk financial wellness or sports, all you have to do is tune in and go to drbarbaryoung.com and click on the green Watch the Videos button and get ready to be transformed. Again, go to drbarbaryoung.com and click on the green Watch Videos button, and it will take you to the channel for your listening and viewing pleasure. If you would like to host your own show, please send your requests to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, welcome back to my listeners today with my guest, Mr. Bill Flynn, who is a multi-certified growth coach, author, international speaker, and has had more than 30 years of experience working with and advising hundreds of companies, including, including startups, how they can become more successful. So today, we've brought it down home to where many of us are in light of the pandemic and some of the things that are happening. We're having to do things different and develop a new framework. So, Bill, before we went on break, we talked about how you have started to work with people today, how to start a business and developing a new mindset as well. So just a few minutes, listeners, if you have questions, I encourage you to call one 346 9141 And I'm sure 
and Mr. Bill Flynn will be able to answer your questions. So, Bill, take it away. Starting a business in today's world. Sure. Um, I, 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 outside of the health risk, I think starting a business in today's world is not much different than starting a business at any point in time. And when I'm asked this question a lot by founders or, or, or would-be founders of companies um, because of my background in, mm-hmm. uh, in startups. Um, I'm connected to you know, being here in Massachusetts with um, Harvard and MIT and a whole bunch of sort of a startup um, area for, for many folks uh, that, you know, outside of California. Um, my advice is always the same. One is you have to find a problem that's worth solving uh, okay. first. Uh, and what that, what that means is, you know, people actually have to have some sort of pain. It has to be something that people will pay you enough money to make a real business out of it. Uh, so that's, that's really the first thing. Now, it's certainly not the same starting a business and staying in business. Many people can start a business. There are supposedly about 6,000 businesses started every hour worldwide. Uh, so we have no issue starting. Um, but about that many go out of business every hour worldwide. So the wow. key isn't starting a business. It's really finding a thing that works for you. And, and that's really a confluence of, of things that have to come together. One is, of course, that issue, right? You have to do something that you have to find a problem worth solving. Um, and that really means talking to who you think your best customer is about your idea and then making sure that they actually care about it. Because uh, if they don't really care about it, then they're not going to pay you money. Um, and it's not going to people and, and, and friends and family saying, hey, I'm going to start this business. What do you think of it? Because they're going to tell you it's great. <laughs> but you, you don't care. they're not your customer. Your customer has to say, oh, you know, what I'd like to say is your, the people you talk to, it's enough of them say, oh, my God, where have you been? I've been trying to solve this thing for, you know, months, years. Uh, it's like you're in my head. Then you might be onto something. But then you also have to throw in a few other things, which are you have to be sort of passionate about it. You have to enjoy it because I'll tell you, I've done this 10 times over 25 years, and not all of them were good, and even the ones that ended up being good weren't good all the time. It's going to suck sometimes. It just is. (laughs) Um, And so you have to have that commitment, right? You have to have that sort of passion, that love uh, to, to do it. The next thing is you have to have some level of competency or you believe that you can acquire that competency. Uh, you know, so if, if you want to go into business in, in, in making drugs and you have no background in biology, microbiology, et cetera, you probably don't want to start that business or you better get some partners who, who, who have that because if you don't have some level of competency, you're going, to be in, you're going to be in trouble. And then there are two other things which are related to, to what I just said, um, and that is you have to do something that customers want and value. And, uh-huh. and value, again, is that they'll pay you for it. And then the, the last thing is it needs to be something that, will drive an economic engine of some sort. You have to have some sort of business model that works uh, for you, um, you know, and for your client and, you know, for the world at large um, in general. So those are the things that, that usually what, that I tell people when they want to start a business. Um, but starting a business and keeping a business going, again, are two different things. Uh, and that's a, another discussion. I'm happy to talk about that a little bit further if you want. But that's really what I would point to is what you need to do, right? Problem worth solving solve it in a way that people pay enough money, uh, make sure that it aligns with your passion, your competencies, your economic engine, what customers want and value, uh, and you have a better chance of it being a business that, that becomes something. Mm-hmm. I like what you said, uh, number one, that it, it should be not about the money. It, and you mentioned this on your third point, be passionate. Um, it, it's something to be passionate about, and I also like the fact that you find out what really, really works for you. I mean, there has to be that confluence. I love that. Um, and then taking maybe a survey of customer, uh, some of their ideas that would be your potential customers. Um, and then your level of competency, of course, because I think some people, you know, want to stop out and do some things and maybe they're not as competent in that area or you learn. Um, and then finding out what do customers want and what do they value, um, which will drive that economic engine, which becomes your business model. One of the things that just just struck me, too, and how to find a pricing point, uh, some of your ideas of a pricing point for a business 
during, you know, being that we have this pandemic going on and there are a lot of people that lost their jobs or the income might not be sufficiently there. Have you, uh, what do you advise people on that in terms of finding a price point for what you're about to offer? Yeah, that's a great question. And to be honest with you, there's no right answer uh, because pricing is a complex decision. Uh, if you really think about pricing from a sort of sort of psychological or, neuro- or neuroscience neuroscience perspective, you're trying to figure out what someone, what a group of people value for, uh-huh. your, for your for your thing, and they want to pay you as little as possible, and you want them to pay as much as possible. Right. So you're trying to uh-huh. figure out how to do this. So uh, there's a there's a decision making framework that I love. It's called the Canovan framework, uh, which uh, it talks about different types of decisions from simple to complicated to complex and chaotic. Um, and we've gone through all four of those decision making scenarios in the last seven, eight, nine months, right? Because you know, COVID was a chaotic decision process. Right? All of a sudden, everything shut down. People going home, you know, incomes end, uh, etc. But pricing is complex, and what that means with complex is you have to take some educated guesses. And do some experimentation. Uh, they're called safe-to-fail experiments. In essence, what you have to do is you have to try to ascertain how someone values something. And you can't say, what would you pay for this? Because they're, they're going to lie to you and they're going to be wrong anyway. But you have to say, you, know, you have to try to figure out, okay, how are you doing this today? How many people are doing it? Um, what are the tools that you're using? How much do those cost? Uh, what's the benefit you're getting once you do it? What's the value uh, that it's providing to the company? And then if you get enough data, you can say, oh, well, it seems like if we could do this thing, um, they'd probably be willing to pay in this range because of all the information that we got, uh, which, again, is, is a discovery process. It's difficult. You have to have sort of a journalist mindset um, as much as you can, you know, very, very investigatory. Uh, and then you start trying stuff. And if, and if you have the opportunity, it depends on how many, you know, what you're selling and how many of them, you know, B2B might be harder, B2C a little bit easier because you've got lots of different places, you can try it. You can test your pricing and see what you do. And, then, and by the way, if you, if you test pricing and then everyone pays for it or enough people pay for it, then you should do is raise your price. And then you really don't know the mm-hmm. price that people will value or enough people will value until they stop giving you money. <laughs> and that's really uh-huh. the only way to find out. The problem that i found is that most people use the competitor or a rival as the model and the assumption there for me is flawed. The assumption is they know what they're doing. And I will tell you, Barbara, they often do not. I believe uh, it. So what you're doing is you're following someone who's, who's either blind or very myopic in their sight. <laughs> now, I have a sort of a piggyback question on that uh, you hear all the time. Or, you know, sort of out there, and, and I call it in the stratosphere, that people don't value what they don't pay for. That if you have a price point and it's uh, a, a low value, let's put it that way, that people don't feel it's worth anything. You hear this all the time, unless there's a higher price point on it. What's your take on that? Oh, yeah, that's a perfectly valid psychological model, right? If you look at things and um, if you don't really, especially if you're not really well versed in the value of the thing, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm actually, I'm, I'm talking to you, I'm in a room and there's, a, there's a, an oriental rug that I'm walking across, right? And, and uh, I have family members that, that love oriental rugs and they've been buying them for decades. So they actually mm-hmm. know by looking at them sort of how they do it. So they can value, but most people don't. I certainly don't. Um, and if I think I want to get an oriental rug that's going to last me 20, 30, 40, 50 years, I'm probably going to lean towards the one that's most expensive because, of course, that one's going to have the greatest value. But I could easily be ripped off because I don't have that knowledge. So that is a way a lot of us think uh, is that, you know, uh, I'm willing to pay a lot more for Tiffany's or for Tesla or whatever because um, it must be a really good piece of jewelry or, you know, or or some sort of uh, Mm -hmm. glassware or a really nice car because it costs so much money. Um, that's absolutely a, a valid way to do things. And I've had clients or friends, clients, friends who have continued to raise their price, and, and they found that, that, that the, when they raised their price, actually demand increased, not decreased, which sort of goes against standard economic theory, right? But that's, that's a pretty rare thing, I think. Well, the reason why I asked that question I had, uh, because right now, 
from my point of view, there's a growing proliferation of people who are coaching or, you know, they're, they're putting out, you know, they're, uh, they want to coach, they want to do online webinars, they want to do all these things and they're coaching. And uh, the, the value of it and trying to put a price point on it, it has become an issue. So that's one of the things yeah. that um, I don't know if you've had anybody who has come to you uh, as a client to talk about, I want to go, I want to coach people. I feel there's a need. Uh, I feel that I can do this. I'm a transformative uh, coach. Uh, what do I need to do to build my business? And where do I start? Yeah, where do I? Call me. <laughs> huh? Yeah, a, a number of people call me because um, of, you know, the things with um, sort of the networking stuff um, that I do and in, in the, in the organizations that I'm in or the, or the groups that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm generally a contrarian. So I, and I, so I say a number of provocative things on these, some of these places. And uh, so I get people call me up and say, well, that's really interesting perspective. I didn't know that. And then they sort of explain my basis for, for doing it. And then I get this sort of, oh, hey, can, I'm thinking of doing this. Can you help me? And, and I do that um, uh, because uh, I, I, think, I think everyone should have a coach. Every leader should have a coach of some kind, be it an internal coach or an external coach. It doesn't matter because we as human beings, we, we don't see what, we, uh, what we're not privy to. And, and since our sight is, is inside out and not outside in, we're not going to get the full picture unless someone is looking at us. You know? So, for instance, you know, a baseball coach or a hitting coach would look at someone and say, look, what you're doing with your, with your left foot is, is incorrect because you're so focused on your hands and your bat you're not paying attention to what you're doing with your feet and it could be screwing up your swing. You would never notice that. You know, a coach would notice that. Um, so I think yes. it's really important to, to do that. Um, the value that they provide is a little squishy because I'm a leadership team coach. My value is, is much more measurable because I'm judged on profit and cash and revenue and, and, you know, internal scores of employee satisfaction and those kinds of things. So it's a little easier for me, but for an executive coach one-on-one, uh-huh. Um, it's a little different. You have to have a longer runway to, to be able to measure that, I think. Right, right. I, I want to thank you for answering that. I mean, because I love it, <clears throat> Bill, you're contrarian, so I'm not going to call you very often. <laughs> I just had to, te- I had to tease you with that. But well, one of the things that I, I want to segue over into, because uh, I'm really fascinated by your book that just came out in March, Um Further, faster, the vital few steps that can take the guesswork out of growth. Um, What inspired you to write this book? Um, So what inspired me was that people would um, sort of listen to what I was saying and or read. I do I do write a little bit. Uh, I write a couple times a month, not necessarily because I love to write. I don't think I'm a great writer, but it helps me to learn. So I read a lot of books, and I and I and I'm trying to be a better coach and a better um, person in general. And so I read a lot of different things. And if there's something that strikes me, uh, then I, if I write about it and I can write it and boil it down to sort of the essence without losing the value of it, then I sort of think I got it. And that helps me to learn and absorb and be able to recall it later. Um, and so in doing this and then speaking to my fellow coaches and clients, they, they, I kept hearing on a regular basis you know, this business thing that, that we talk about in business growth is not is not new, um, and it's not really. You have all these new guys, right? You've got Simon Sinek and Marcus Buckingham and and all of these sort of gurus in this world, but they're really just um, repackaging stuff from Drucker and Shine and 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 all these guys. You know, um, Edward uh, Abbey and these guys have been 120, 130, 140 years ago. A lot of this stuff is not new in any way, shape, or form. But the way my take on it seemed to be different to most people. I'm a bit of a neuroscience geek. I'm a bit of a contrarian as well. And I really like to boil things down to their, to their first principles because I think that helps you to really understand things better and then be able to build them up from there. And so people said, you got to write this down. So I hired a company and they helped me write a book, <laughs> which, was, which was actually a fun process. Uh, I thought it would be difficult, but um, I think if I had to write it, it would have been horrible. <laughs> But I, I spoke my book and was the editor of it more than the actual writing. So and I love this book. 
further, faster, the vital few steps that take a guesswork out of growth. So I want to know, what is your or your main message that you would say to someone? What's the main message out of this book that you that you wrote? Yeah, there, there are kind of three main messages that I boil down to. Mm-hmm. One is that there's a, there's a sizable gap between what science knows and what business does. Uh, we run our businesses mostly on sort of intuition and gut, which, which is fine. Um, and I think those things are valuable, but you also have to check it. You have to make sure that, that your, your gut is true. And, you know, I mentioned the numbers earlier. Uh, the numbers don't bear, you know, I say I'm a contrarian, but I, I think it's good to be a contrarian business because most businesses fail. So if you do what most people do, you're actually more likely to fail. Um, so following your gut is great, but you should check it. You should, you should look at, is, is there some, some scientific basis for doing this, right? Um, uh, and as I said, I'm a neuroscience geek. Uh, and the mm-hmm. you know, people, what I've learned about people from a first principle perspective is you know, our brain is very important. And our brain was designed, our last major upgrade of our brain was between 10 and 50,000 years ago. It was not designed to do what we're doing with it today. And it fools us on a regular basis. There are 150 unconscious biases. Um, and it, it um, forces us into a rationalization model as opposed to being a rational human being. Um, so that's super important. If you don't understand that as a leader, you'll never be as good a leader as you, as you can. So definitely follow, look, look into the science. And science is not a study it's not a survey. It's actually, you know, people doing science where you're trying to disprove something and other people are trying to do it and they get the same results you get. That's science. Um, and science isn't perfect, but it's certainly better than, than guessing on a regular, on, over the long term. The next thing is, um, is that few things truly matter. But those you know what? Do, that, what? Bill, I'm going to have to stop you yeah. right there because you know what? we got to take yeah. a quick break, but I am right, absolutely. Fascinated. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back. So, listeners, stay tuned because he's going to give us the second point about the message in his book. So, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Dr. Barbara Young, we'll be right back. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Have there been experiences in your life? That you could only explain that there was a divine connection or intervention. Well, the new show, God's Hookups, with your host, Dr. Barbara Young, airing live on YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn. This show features each week up close and personal interviews with men and women from all walks of life who will share with you their stories and testimonies about unexplainable miracles, blessings, and encounters that can only be of a God's hookup. So look out every Friday for three powerful shows that will ignite your faith and stir up your hope at 1130, 1.30, and 2.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you would like to be a guest to share your amazing story of a God hookup, please contact Dr. Barbara Young at drb at godshookups.com for more information. And to watch on YouTube, just go to God's Hookups and click to subscribe. We're on Alexa Smart Speakers and Connected Devices. Hey Alexa, play Being Here Podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Try it now. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, back to my guest today, Mr. Bill Flynn, Catalyst Growth Company, multi-certified growth coach. I just want to keep you in mind, author and international speaker. I'm so glad, Bill, to have you on the show today. Um, when we went on break, we were talking about your book, Further Faster, The Vital Few Steps That Take the Guesswork Out of Growth. You talked about a couple of things. You talked about one of your main messages, and that is to have that sizable gap, that intuition that one needs to check it out 
link it to science. I'd like that because in essence, we're talking about evidence-based, uh, evidence-based rather than just relying on your, your gut feeling. So the second point you made, and we had to go on break, was about leaders. Um, can you take it from there? Sure. Yeah, so uh, the, uh, I'm a bit of, a, of an essentialist, and what that means is that uh, mm-hmm. the premise, I think, uh, boils down to this saying, which is, few things truly matter. And I think that's true in, in life or business. Um, but those that do matter tremendously. And as a leader, you need to spend more time here. If you really focus on your business, one of the things I, I do with my clients at the beginning is I say, I want you to go through uh, your list of, of customers, your paying customers, and go back as far as you need to. It might be years if you're a, a longer sales cycle business, but some reasonable amount of time. And I want you to order them uh, uh, in a certain way. And I ask them to put three columns next to it. And one column says, we love, we love them. The next one is, they love us. And then the third one is profit. And then you, you go through and have your team work through and say, we, you know, we love them, meaning you know, they're great customers. You know, they're, not, they're not arguing on price with us. They're wonderful. They're actually giving us referrals, what I've been asking. And if we ask for reference, they'll give it uh, happily. You know, we love them. They love us, right? They highly uh-huh. value what we do. Um, uh, and, then, so, and then put all the X's in there. And then the last column, put in profit and order them by profit. Those people that are at the top of that list are your best customers. And if you look at the, the profits you receive, I, I will tell you almost to 100% guarantee that somewhere between 80 and 90% of your profit is the top 10 or 20% of people on that list. What you want wow. are more of them. Yes. Right? Your job yes. is to figure out how do we get more of them? What are the, what are the things that they value? Uh, you need to go talk to them. I actually write a thing in one of my blog posts and says, here's what you do. is send them an email and say, hey, if you were to recommend us to someone who you think would get as much value out of what we do uh, that you get out of what we do, um, what, would you, what would you say to them? Could you write that back to me? And you capture all this information, and inside that you'll see the, uh, just a few things that come up over and over and over again. That's what you want to focus on. You want to say, hey, if you're like these people who value X, Y, and Z, you probably want to talk to us. Um, so those two things truly matter. It matter to people, etc. And then the last thing is, uh, what I've really found is those businesses that don't die, most of them either struggle um, and few thrive. But the ones that struggle, they, they're mostly surviving on force of will, effort, luck, and timing. Which is just, then that doesn't scale. The bigger you get, the harder that is, especially if you're a leader, especially at the top. You're going to spend more and more time either at the business or thinking about the business, away from your family, away from your friends, away from your health, and then that becomes a vicious cycle. You keep doing that, eventually it's gonna, something's going to break. I don't know what it is. Hopefully it's not you. So those are sort of the three main things that, that I um, have people focus uh, on, that you know, sizable gap between um, science and business. A few things matter. Those matter tremendously. And then try not to rely. Rely on other people. Don't rely on your... Um, your uh, your own effort and, and luck and will. And then that really boils down to what you mentioned earlier. Is I ask people, you need to figure out how, once you get through that knot hole as an entrepreneur where you actually have a business model, it's starting to scale, you're starting to have some predictability. Now you need to revisit all the key decisions you ever made, make sure they're still right, and begin to fire yourself from the running of the company. Because your job like is not that. to run the company anymore. Your job is to predict the future by creating your future. And the only way to do that is to step back and think because that is, that's a creative process. And the best creative processes are ones when our mind is relaxed and not doing anything. We get our best ideas in the shower or a run or whatever. So Thank that's my, you so uh, that's much my for that. Overall. Well, sure. I, mean, that was, I mean, that was great. And I hope the listeners that you really took notes, like I was taking notes uh, to be sure that I'm reminded of some of this great information that you're, Giving One of the things I just want to get back to before we have to close the show in these last few minutes um, that I think is so important that's come up today and uh, your whole thing about your comment about leaders and leaders managing a team uh, and, and learning how to lead a team effectively. So just in a few minutes, because now uh, we are in a new world where leading a team, which used to be with brick and mortar, is now on Zoom conferencing. And I'm having people call me with a little bit of challenges of how to manage that 
in a digital format or in a Zoom format. So do you have any thoughts on that, Bill, before we have uh, to close? A ton of thoughts, and you'll have to cut me off because I may go long. <laughs> um, so here's, again, back to first principles, right? First of all, are you a team or are you just a collection of individuals? Right? Okay. A team are people who share roles, responsibilities, and rewards and, and, and the problems. That's a team, right? We do it together. We have each other's back. Um, if you don't have that, then I don't care what you do on Zoom or live or whatever. It's always going to be difficult um, okay. because everyone's got their own agenda and they're doing all sorts of things. Sorry, go ahead. I love that because you know what? It almost okay. says it all. If a leader doesn't, isn't yeah. able to, first of all, be confident enough to know how to share roles and responsibilities, it has to be a collective where everybody is participating. That's what I hear. That really works. Second, just a few minutes, another one. <laughs> I like yeah. I just had to okay. put that one down. Sure. So that, that's a foundational thing, right? You have to be able to craft a good team. You have to be able to grow the team. Um, so let's say you do that. There's two things you have to take, take care of. You have to take, take care of the team as a collective. And that means you all have to understand what is the main thing that we're trying to accomplish here as a team, right? When our team is working really well, what, what is the output of our team? So let's say, let's say you're in a marketing team and your, your main output almost always is some sort of qualified lead to a salesperson or a sales team. That's really what you're doing. I don't care if you're doing PR or social media or, or, or conferences, doesn't matter. Your job is to generate qualified leads to sales. That's the main output. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's great. Let's make sure that we're doing that. That's how we measure our success. Um, and how about your team uh, basis? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going ahead and finish oh. that sentence. I didn't want to okay, cut you sorry, off. Sorry. Um, so that's what you really need to figure out as a team. And then secondly, um, if you're on Zoom calls, you have to make sure you take care of that team, right? Who, who has what responsibility to doing that? Who's the social media person? Who's the, lead gen, uh, who's the qualification person? Whatever those things are. They have to have metrics, and, you, and everyone should be very, very clear on what those things are. It's usually confusion and, and, and um, opaqueness that causes a lot of these problems, so you've got to really make sure that we're very clear on those things. And then, in these times especially, you, you should be meeting with your individual team members on a regular basis because they're in le- different levels of threat based on what's going on, be it economic threat or health threat. And they're all acting differently, and you can't act as if they're all the same because they're not. So you should be spending a lot of time with your individual team members. And one of the things that I recommend, you can certainly do a lot of things about their, you know, their own psychological behavior um, or well-being. But the two things you should always be checking in with them when you do that is, one, saying, what is the most important thing you're working on this week or, this, or today or whatever it is? And then how can I help? And you must help them. If you do that, you'll be supporting them. They'll feel more controlled. They'll feel like there's someone there. Um, and they'll be a better team member. Now, on the Zoom stuff, you know what? I, I, Zoom, there's definitely Zoom fatigue, and I've read some research that says, you know, people start to flag about 50 to 55 minutes into a Zoom call, so you need to make sure you have breaks on a regular basis, much more than if you're live. You usually go 90 minutes when you're live. Um, and then uh, next is, you know, the brain, even though it's across the screen, we, the brain doesn't know the difference. It sees a, it sees a face. Um, we're not going to get other body language, right? We're not going to get the, the, the hips and the feet, and, you know, they're not, we can't see them tapping their, their toe or whatever. Or, but you can see them leaning forward. You can see them smiling. Pay attention. Um, it's, 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 to say it's different because you're looking at sort of a Brady Bunch thing. And, yes, if you've got 50 people on it, that's really hard. But you can't do that in a meeting either. But if you've got seven or eight, nine people, that's no different than sitting in a room with six or seven or eight, nine shoes. You can't see everyone at the same time anyway. I mean, we're picking up on things subconsciously. But you can still pick them up a little bit as a screen. So it's, it's, I've heard from scientists it's about 75% as good on Zoom as it is live, which is still pretty good. Not perfect, but it's, it's not horrible. So that's my take. We're moving going? into a whole new era. So, Bill, I had to really let you expound on that extensively on the Zoom conferencing. I I really want to just sort of say thank you for the individual that that the leader can talk to. How might I help you? What's going on with you? How are you doing? I love that. Uh, And I, I, I realize that many of the listeners from all over the world, these are um, definitely vital steps that can help 
take the guesswork out of growth and how to make your company a better place and how to make your role as a leader even more effective. Bill, I can't thank you enough um, for sharing today what the Catalyst Growth Advisors do, because I had no clue (laughs) as to what Catalyst Growth Advisors do, and I love it. We're leaders. You have to fire yourselves from day to fire yourselves from day to day. I love that. So, Bill, my last question is: If you had mm-hmm. an option to place a billboard in a certain space, what would it say, and where would you place it? That's an interesting question. Where would I place it? What would it say? Um. I would put it in the uh, wherever the most eyes could see it, uh, and it would just say the word love. Um, and that, I think it really boils down to that, be it love of work, love of family, love of people. Uh, if you do things that you love and you're around people that you love, you'll be happier, you'll be more fulfilled, you'll be more satisfied, and that will, make, that will have ripple effects around other people. Um, I found that that, when it really comes down to it, that's, you know, that's really the essence. There's a 75 year old, 75 year study, the longest study ever done on human beings through Harvard. And what it boiled down to was love is the, is the, is the essence of life full stop. Absolutely. Loving yourself, loving your family, loving your friends. And I always add loving God. (laughs) That's my mantra. And then I want to just really thank you for sharing that, Bill. I know I put you on the spot by saying uh, a billboard, but it really is not a provocative question. If you had a place to share a billboard, <laughs> what would you say on it? It's really, truly yeah, from very, the heart. Very Oprah of you, Dr. Young. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that compliment. Well, I want to thank you, Bill <laughs> Flynn, for being on the show today. And I know, I know without a doubt that many of you listeners, you've benefited from his transformational journey and the strategies that he's shared, not only for business owners, but leaders and those who want to start a new business. I appreciate that you are able to share from the heart this vital information and your extraordinary mission to help make this world a better place. So for that, Bill Flynn, I want to thank you so much. And God bless you as you continue your endeavors to help Take the guesswork out of growth for many, many entrepreneurs and leaders in this world. So for my listeners, I want to thank you for listening today. Again, you can contact me at info at transformationforsuccess.com. If you have any questions, comments, love to hear from you. Love to have your feedback. And again, Bill Flynn, have a great day. Take time from your busy schedule to tell someone today you love them. This is Dr. B. Remember, transformation is one step at a time. Take your time. Thank you. This is Dr. Barbara Young signing off. Next week, we have a great guest, the record producer, songwriter, um, absolutely an extraordinary blast from the past with Mr. Bruce Hawes. You want to be on listening to that show. So stay tuned. Thank you very much. Bye, Mr. Flynn. Have a great day. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, that's 12 noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for replays of the show weekly on the Voice America Business Channel and the Voice America Influencers Channel. Until our next show, have an outstanding week.